Hi there, this is Ezra at the front of this episode, just giving you a warning. If you have kids, we know that sometimes you listen uh, with your kids in the background, that you may want to put on headphones for this episode because we cover some pretty chargy topics that you may want to um, listen to first and decide whether or not they are family friendly. So just wanted to quickly give you that warning before we get into the episode and we'll get started now. We've moved on from the country singers now. We're, we're doing well. Yeah, well, we were. We had Jennifer Aniston there. All right, so. <laughs> the great Jennifer Aniston. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business. Hi there, listener. Welcome to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here, my partner as always, James Ramko. James, how are you, man? I'm good, thanks, Ezra. Now, I should just point out to listeners that I am mobile today. You may hear the faint waft of a V8 in the background as I'm heading down towards what little snow we have in Australia. Where is there snow in Australia, by the way? It's down, there's this little mountain range halfway between Melbourne and Sydney. So it's around about a six hour drive from Sydney or Melbourne. And uh, it's very underwhelming if you're used to snowing anywhere else <laughs> like New Zealand or Canada. In fact, most Australians will go to New Zealand for a ski trip, but I'm just popping down for a couple of days and I'm looking forward to a drive through our nation's capital, which is actually Canberra, not Sydney, as a lot of people might have thought. Wow, I didn't know that. So you get on some bunny slopes, maybe do a little snowboarding, a little snowshoeing? I'm quite the novice. It's been at least a decade since I went skiing. I'm trying to decide whether I'll be snowboarding or skiing. Have you got any recommendations? I do. How many days do you have? Because if you've got more than one day, then you can snowboard. If you only have one day, you are going to regret getting on that snowboard. Uh, no, I've got a couple of days. And I, I've snowboarded once or twice before, and I've skied once or twice before, way back. And, and I enjoyed both. Man, you got you to gotta go for the snowboard, man. You really do. Board sports, there's just something about it. You'll, you'll definitely be perceived as cooler on a snowboard than skis. And I know how important that is. Well, hang on. I don't really need to conform to society's <laughs> label of what's cool. I was thinking oh, more about enjoying the experience. And, and, you know, skiing, I guess, is the traditional one. And the snowboard is... Uh, I did put the call out this morning on a call, and, and there was about a 50-50 split. The skier said, how do, you, how do snowboarders introduce themselves on the slopes? And the answer is, sorry, dude. <laughs> Evidently, they run into people. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know, they've got those skis that are half size, so you could kind of split the difference and go with uh, miniature skis, and then you'd be playing both sides of the party. Right. I'll have to check it out, but I'm open to change. I'm I'm flexible around what I do, and I'd be interested in whether listeners uh, would vote for skiing or snowboarding. Perhaps they could leave a comment on this episode. Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that you're open to change because change is what we are talking about in this episode. Now, it's a process of going from where you are to another state and people are really freaked out about it to the point that some people are literally willing to die in some cases to avoid it. Now generally the change that we want is in the direction of a state that we deem to be more preferable than our current situation but change is not that thing having happened, right? But it's the process. The important part about change is the process. All the steps that it takes 
to get from where you are to that other state. I love this topic. It's something I've, I've certainly had a lot of passion for. <laughs> As someone who grew up in the same family household for quite a long time, through my sort of teens, um, early childhood, from about the age of five or six through to maybe 18, I was in the same place and I accumulated a lot of stuff. And I built up this huge resistance to moving. So this will be a good topic. Yeah, well, you know, this stuff is such an interesting topic. I think we should do a topic just on stuff. Change. What is it? How are you changing? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we're looking at in this episode of Think, Act, Get. Wait. So I've got a story to start with, or more of kind of a, um, a monologue of sorts, which is I'm going to talk about process and progress. Now, people want things to have changed, but are often unwilling or less willing to go through that change. And resistance to change is really not, for the most part, not a fear of the actual end result of the change itself, but it's a fear of the process of change. The process, because the process of changing involves taking something that's been stable and reliable in your life and throwing it into flux. And this can be hard because you don't know what that outcome will be. It could go wrong. And that's the ticket here, which is that it's scary because change involves risk. It means being unsure about the outcome. And progress, which is what people are after, is hard to see clearly when you're in the process of change because the old landmarks that you had before are gone. So one of the important things about when you're going through change, you know you're going to be going through change, is to have other people help you see your progress. And you've got to have enough perseverance and faith in your own abilities to stick through the muddy and difficult times and not give up before the magic happens. I love this. I often uh, took that position as the person facilitating change. When someone would come into the car dealership and want to change cars, they would have this huge attachment and warmth and familiarity with their current car, uh, partly because they were trying to convince me that I would have to pay a lot of money to buy it back from them as a trade-in, but also because they were comfortable with it. And one of the processes that I would engage is to discuss what it is that they like about their current car and also what is it that they'd like to change about their current car. So I'd actually outwardly have that discussion and sometimes it might be simple like they need to have more seats or less seats or bigger boot space or four-wheel drive or a folding roof and quite often they'd have trouble letting go of their car and they'd feel that it was worth a lot more than what I thought it was worth. And then what I'd do as a little process is step them through the car they had before the car they have now. I said, did you love that car? And they'd say, yes. And then I'd say, and did you trade that car in on the car you have now? And they'd say, yes. I'd say, do you like the car you have now? And they'd say, yes, we do. I said, well, this is exactly the same process that will happen when you change this car for the new one. In fact, in a year from now, I'll probably have trouble asking you to give the car that you're about to buy back because you'll be so attached to it and you'll love that one. And they go, yeah, I see your point. That's a fascinating way of, of supporting someone through the process of change, reminding them of a successful change they've had in the past in that same vein. I think that's a very persuasive sales technique. And I think that's been one of my success techniques is to lock in wins because that's when I changed from the unknown to the known. It's when I was uh, the rookie or the, the, the new person at the field I was, I was petrified of going into a sales job when I took on that and I had to do it because I needed to increase my income 
as soon as I had success with that, I was able to lock in that change and then repeat it over and over again when I changed different products and then as I moved up the corporate ladder. So locking in that change success is a great technique. You know, it's so interesting. That reminded me of when I went in uh, for an interview to work at the yoga studio that I've often talked about. One of my main selling points was that I was learning SEO. At the time, I was, this is was when I was still working and I was also learning internet marketing. And I was telling them, you know, I'm learning all about this search engine optimization stuff. I can help you with it. And one of the main reasons they hired me for that job was because I had this promise of this skill that I had actually been learning. But it was so scary when I actually, it was like now these people were expecting me to put it into practice. And I kind of freaked out. But I had to rise to the occasion and actually attempt it. And then from then on, I was just kind of on and rocking because I'd had this experience where I went through this change and I did it. And then from there, I could help other people with it. One of the things I want to mention is that often the easiest and hardest thing to change is your mind about something. Because you're the ultimate judge of what's good and bad. And if you don't like things, you can do something about it or you can change your mind about it. Like perhaps you're unhappy with your body. Perhaps you think you're too soft or something. You can look in the mirror and you can see something you're unhappy about or you can see beauty. Like we're so trained to look in the mirror and see what we don't like about ourselves, to see our flaws. And that's one thing that we'll be flipping around in the weekly willpower wager this week. Gosh, you know, this, I've got three things on my mind from what you've just talked about. The first one is, is it possible that we can associate a positive to change so that we actually look forward to and instigate change? And then as a lead on from that, I wonder if it's possible to have too much positive association to change. And sometimes we change things that didn't even need changing. And I'll give you an example of that. I know a guy who puts out a new product every now and then. And then within a week, he changes the name of it. And then another week, he changes the name of it again. And this is all around this sort of lean startup uh, pivot stuff. But some people just pivot, 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 pivot. And they're going pivoting so much, they're literally going... It's compulsive. They're going around in circles and actually not getting anywhere. So it's important, I think, to have some frameworks around change to identify which changes are required or necessary and which changes are not required or could possibly take you further away from the path. Like for example, if you are on the correct path, for example, some of the things you need to do to be successful can be quite boring. Like turning up to do a podcast every week might get monotonous after a few years, but it's that little success habit of turning up that creates the show and might be tempting to change it just for the sake of change and not for a specific reason. And it could have a detrimental effect on the outcome. It's so true, and it's, it's really interesting that you point that out, that sometimes we change things just because we're bored or for the sake of changing them when they don't actually need to be changed. And it's interesting to look at what should be changed and what shouldn't. And if we take this into a split testing and analytical perspective from, a, from the business point of view, what I'll often do is make a change with 10 to 20% of my traffic or 10 to 20% of my data. If I have something that's working and I'm interested in making a change, I won't make that change with the entire, with, with all of my traffic. I'll do it with 10%. And I think it's important when you're going to change something, if it's working already, maybe don't change all of it. Change a little bit and see how that happens. Yeah, that's so good. And you know, I worked for a crazy guy once and he used to get uh, in, he was kind of, uh, I think he was probably bipolar and he would swing so wildly that when he was in his low moment, when he was in his deepest trough, he would make radical changes. He would delete or destroy or disrupt or mess things up. 
because he was unable to control himself. He had no self-control in that state. And it was very detrimental around everybody. It was this huge impact. He would literally tear down and, and uh, I'll give an example of this. I would like some of the number plates we had in our fleet. There were some very nice ones, some two-digit, three-digit, four-digit number plates. Really, really good ones. And I'd, I'd get one that I like and I'd put it on my car and he would see that and then he would immediately have someone take it off my car and put it on a different car and give me some other plate as his way of controlling the situation and changing the environment dominance to reposition him as the dominant guy yeah it was really like a pissing contest it's terrible you know and it is interesting that you change something in someone's life it does if you have the power to change something in someone's life or in someone's situation that is a way of it's an interesting thing to look at when you're doing that deliberately what is the motive behind that change like, why are you doing that? Are you doing that with the goal of helping them? Or are you doing that with the goal of, of, of asserting dominance? Because there's a way to assert power. That is one of the ways to show your power over some person is to force some kind of change upon them. Now, I want to tell a story, um, really talk about a subject matter. It's a fairly long, you know, five or ten minute uh, run here um, that is, uh, I find, very fascinating and I think affects every single person on this planet. And I'm going to run through that now. And this comes from where I grew up. This comes from the, court, the stuff I learned um, growing up on a hippie commune. So LafayetteMorehouse.com if you want to check out more stuff like this. So what I believe to be true is that the change that happens around us affects us. And, and one of the most important changes that happens for all of humankind is heat cycles, both yearly and menstrual. They have a big effect on humankind. So let's talk about them. With, with, both heat, with both heat cycles, there's two distinct peaks and dips. And the highest point in the annual heat cycle is the spring, like new life is blossoming, spring cleaning's happening. There's a ton of energy during these times. Things are kind of all high and buzzy. And then as we head into summer, things dip down and we get a little bit lower and you want to sit on the porch and drink a beer and you don't want to do a whole lot. And then as we move towards fall, the energy starts to pick up again. It's the harvest season. People go back to school. It's the second highest peak in that energy season. And then we go down to the lowest point in the cycle. People feel low energy. It's, the, it's winter. Bears are hibernating. We have like these artificial holidays to inspire us to want to do something because we're, we, you know, we don't have energy. And these are general peaks in energy levels across the globe, across all space and time that we know of. There's this energy that's available that you can tap into. And this is just the way of things. This is, these are the cycles that happen and you can notice it or not. There's ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and it's like evolutionary. And all the animal world is experiencing this. It's not just humans. The dead of winter is like, you know, Russian palace time. It's when you should be snuggling with someone. I'm loving the story. I'm like totally on board with you. Ups, downs, in, outs. I mean, I was just sort of coining a little phrase to myself that the only thing that doesn't change is the fact that there will always be change. I think that should be the James Shramko quote for this episode. Yeah, well, I don't, probably someone's already smarter than me has already come up with a quote like that but I just I was just thinking that you can be certain about change and I love this hippie commune description of it uh, well, here we go man so we're get, we're about to get real deep which is that we have these energy swings right yearly across the globe in some years the heat cycles are more intense than others and the most dramatic change is from the depths of winter into the heights of spring now I want to talk to you about the menstrual heat cycle 
which occurs in female humans approximately 11 to 14 times per year. And it varies from women to women, from woman to woman, that is. Some women experience it every 28 days, some skip a month, and it kind of varies uh, in each woman. Now, whatever it is for you is right. It's not that you should be menstruating 11 times per year. Most other mammals only go into heat twice per year. Now, the highest point of energy on a menstrual heat cycle starts about five days before the bleeding. You feel a lot of energy in your body, you feel it build up, and then you start bleeding, which brings you down a bit, and it's grounding. The second highest peak is during ovulation, and as ovulation weans off, the energy dip down, dips down again. So those are like the two peaks, and one is high and one's not as high. It kind of follows that annual heat cycle. Now, heat cycles aren't limited to menstruating women. In little girls and postmenopausal women, there's still these shifts in hormones throughout their life. When you're menstruating, these hormone fluctuations are much greater, but you're still experiencing them throughout your entire life as a woman. And you're constantly in this state of hormonal change. So dudes who are listening to this, guys who are listening to this, imagine going through puberty your whole life. Men only have one major hormonal shift in their life, from prepubescent to pubescent. And again, after their testosterone stops producing, they go through another little small one. But there's no chartable heat cycle in men. We've got like this steady state hormonal level. But men can be affected by women's heat cycle. So being in proximity to a woman in heat, a man can feel it. Women can also feel other women's heat cycle. So both men and women respond to a woman's menstruation cycle. Now, when women are in close proximity to each other, their cycles will, will clump up and they'll start menstruating at the same times. And as you move to the lower peaks in energy throughout the year, women's cycles will spread out a bit. Now, women who spend time together affect each other in that way. And some, some possible signs of a woman in heat are that her pupils are dilated or that she could have a pregnancy mask, which are these dark eyes, uh, circles around her eyes. She could ch uh, crave gooey foods and cheese and chocolate. She might be on edge. She might not want to be touched. She might want to be touched a whole lot and want a whole lot of contact. Like, there's no formula. That's just uh, some of the things that might indicate a woman who's in heat. Now, if women are not detumesced, and what that means is like brought down or uh, grounded regularly while they're in heat, they become less and less desirable because that energy keeps building up in their body. And if there's no release, then at some point it becomes really uncomfortable. And what a way that you can bring yourself down is by eating, by working out, by moving your body, by having an orgasm. And women who are um, who are more who have grounded themselves in some way. Uh, appear more desirable to everyone else because they're not so uncomfortable. Now, here's a point for men who are listening to this. You can enjoy a woman in whatever state she's in. If there's a lot of energy in her body, then that's something you can play with. It's not about like getting rid of this energy. You can use it to your advantage rather than feeling the victim of it. And as a woman, if you feel pressure in your body, you could decide to put that energy to use because there's a lot of tab uh, taboos on menstruation in our culture, like you shouldn't sleep with a woman while she's menstruating or that menstruating is unclean or like there's this fundamental distrust of women as if they're innately wrong, like menstruation is a curse. All those ideas, it's just like a... Oh, just because those viewpoints are widely held doesn't mean that you have to subscribe to them. It doesn't make sense if you want to talk about God and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't make sense that God would create a creature that's designed to go crazy every month. That doesn't make any sense. So, But a lot of women who are, on, who are experiencing PMS, which is very common in our culture, you are, they're sold that 
you, you, that they will get uncontrollably irritable, that they, that they don't want to be mean to people, but that they will be mean to people. And they're like sold all this stuff and they pick this stuff up through conditioning. And if those are the, message that, that the messages that you pick up as a woman, it becomes more likely that you'll behave that way. But maybe those aren't built in parts of this experience. Now, I'm not saying that you won't be uncomfortable or you won't have cramps and all that. What I am saying is that all of that, all that is, is pressure in your body and you get to decide how to react to it. Wow. Well, I guess first I want to say thank you for sharing that because it's not your general business podcast content and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are either nodding in agreement or shaking in disagreement or just thinking, what have I stumbled across here? (laughs) But I think it was great. I mean, what you're really saying is that at any one time you could be dealing with a very different version of any one person and uh, the more that we understand it the easier it is to get on with change with with uh, interpersonal change exactly and that like there's all this stuff going on around you and in the people around you and if you're not educated about it and you don't know what's going on then you then you can be victimized by it but if you're aware of what's going like if you're aware that you're going to be more energetic in the spring you can plan your projects your bigger projects for that time of year if you're aware of what's going on and the people around you then you can you can relate with them differently and it's just like important to pay attention to that kind of stuff i love that you've said that i think awareness or acuity as some circles call it is really the key to getting this stuff nailed and then having some anchors or routines around your own behaviors and and uh, susceptibility to change you know you like for the guy that likes to drink you could not put yourself near the alcohol so that you don't change into that Dr. Jekyll, you know, monster. Uh, and you can create an environment around you that is is more suitable. Like if you know you're going to have flare-ups or conflicts with certain people at certain times of the month or whatever, perhaps build in a routine of a hobby or go fishing or something for a day or two to, to um, give yourself some buffer. Totally. Absolutely. So... One of the things that I want to I want to totally change the subject here back to business which is that a lot has changed in the online business world since you've been in the game business models communities traffic sources what's been the main couple things in in online marketing and online business that you've seen change since you've been involved I've seen the public have become less accepting of ridiculous practices that I just did not understand 5 or 6 years ago uh, in fact, 2005 I started, just to give listeners context. So in that seven years, I've started to see people reject or rebuff the old school tactics that should never have been acceptable anyway. But now with social media and with uh, big companies coming down on the, uh, like payment companies coming down on people's uh, bad ethics, with email companies coming down on people who send the wrong sort of communication, and we've seen a change in Gmail recently, which is not good for promoters, uh, where a lot, of, a lot of, you know, if people want to try the short term or nasty stuff, they're just going to be extinct. Oh, it's and tough, man. Here's the funny thing. A lot of stuff has not changed for me. I still have pretty much the same core as I had the whole time, but the shell might have changed. I might use slightly different traffic methods, where I used to use a lot of paid pay-per-click or affiliates. Now I'll just use my blog content as traffic, but the core is the same. I want I want to have a good, solid 
offer that has integrity. I want to look after people. I want to give good support. I want to be able to communicate and reach my customers. I want to be able to listen to them and hear what they've got to say. And I want to be able to grow and make a profit without putting too much strain and stress and fluctuation on my myself. So I've designed my life around having a sustainable evergreen offering that will serve me well and serve my children and leave some kind of legacy. So that's what's changed. That's what hasn't changed for me. What about you? You know, that was one of the main things that I thought of when I started thinking about what's changed. It used to be that I would just see these, you know, one-time big product launches or these, 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 these sort of throwaway business models. And it appears to me that that kind of thing, even in the e-commerce world, is going away. And that if you're not willing to, that like things have gone social and You've got to be willing to build something of value and build a relationship and a community if you want to succeed. And that one-off, I mean, you still see people doing these one-off things, but they're so much le- more less common and, uh, and they don't work near as well as they have in the past. Well, I heard something yesterday. Some guy was selling a $10 product, which was a cut and paste of some fiber resources. And a customer was dissatisfied with it and asked for a refund. And he said, no refunds. And he had this model where he pays affiliates 100% and then he back-ends them, tele-pitches and stuff. This stuff is just, it's just dirty. These, you know, what cave are they living in where they think that this is how it's going to be in a few years from now? That is an extincto marketer for sure. It really is. It really is. So I think fundamentally on the topic of change things are going to change and you get to decide how to react to them and you can initiate change even when it's scary and really what it takes to change is consistently repeating a process whatever that process might be have some triggers too. have some triggers that dictate when change is required for example your belt if you start hitting that last notch on the belt, that could be a trigger to say, you better change what you're shoving in your pie hole because you're going to continue on a death spiral. You might have the same thing with metrics. For example, in my business, I track the number of days that it takes to reach $100,000 each month. And if that starts to blow out a few days, then we have to start making some changes to our marketing or to our cost base so that we keep on track. So I cover... Um, days to 100k is one metric and that is a great guideline for me to know when I need to make changes or not absolutely or you know a lot of people use weight Um, I'm not a fan of weighing yourself and 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 you know but that is one thing that people pay attention to when they get above a certain weight then they know it's time to diet or it's time to work out and here's one thing is when you're doing those measurements and stuff do it frequently that is going to cause you to get on on the back, back on the path quickly. I'll give you the analogy. Let's say I'm hopping in my aeroplane from Sydney to Hawaii, which I'll be doing in a month or so uh, when we go to our retreat. If that pilot is not using some kind of navigation device, it's going to be hard for him to know if he's on track to land in Hawaii. It doesn't take too much to be a little bit to the left or the right. And as you know, Hawaii is smack bang out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> so it's going to be a water landing unless he's checking in to the flight coordinates and I'm hoping that it's checking in quite often because a little bit to the left or the right is not going to get the result. It's going to be a disaster, even if even a percentage of a degree over a flight for eight hours or whatever it is, is going to end up in tragedy. So 
you want to be having frequent measurements so that if you do have to make a change, it's a small change and it requires less effort than if you have to make a big change because you let something go to the wire. Like you waited till the sheriff is dragging your television out of your unit before you pay the bill, that's too late. And I literally used to be a debt collector. So I can tell a lot about people who left things too late until they made a change that could have made things a lot cheaper and easier in the beginning. And I think that that's, you know, it's sometimes scary to look at progress because you don't really want, you know, you don't really want to confront where you are. So you just kind of ignore it until it gets to a point where you can't ignore it anymore. But if you're willing to look at it. And the sooner you do it, the smaller the thing you have to fix. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, uh, I don't ever want to sit down with the bookkeeper. I just don't want to do that. I don't want to handle the taxes. I don't want to handle the bookkeeping. I just wait and wait and wait. And then one big time towards the end of the year, handle all the transactions. What are they? You know, it's just like a process that I don't enjoy. So I wait and it would be smart to do it every month, you know? Well, but by the time the IRS is sending you a notice and that you have massive back taxes and that you have to shut your business down and sack all your team and go bankrupt, that is too late, right? Well, I mean, I don't, I'm talking only about the actual, I'm not talking about not paying your taxes. I'm just talking about, you know, you have to. But if you don't, if you don't even know, well, most entrepreneurs like us, we actually have to calculate what we're earning and then pay the tax later. Yeah, well, we do, we do the quarterly thing. You know, we just pay every quarter uh, X amount so that we're up to date because that way, based on our last year's earnings, we pay the, the same amount of tax that we would have paid based on last year's earnings every quarter. Um, as a way to stay up to date and show good faith and all that kind of stuff. We have much the same, except if you're not doing your books every quarter, that can be hard. And in the, in the first time entrepreneurs, they might go a year or two before they put in a return so that they don't even know what the quarterly amount needs to be. And you can get a massive, massive sting at the first, end of your first two years as an entrepreneur. And it's, you, you really, you don't want to stiff the government in whatever country you're in. <laughs> Because they will come. I'm serious, man. This is serious business. They will come after you. Those are not the guys to not pay. Don't pay Peter. Don't pay Paul. But pay the IRS. You know that's that is a classic uh, metaphor about change with uh, with government, especially things like government uh, policies around the way that that they put laws on things, uh, the taxes and uh, currencies, because. You know, the whole game can change around you and there's a whole movement of people who are trying to protect themselves from the inevitable fallout and fallover of when things get changed underneath you. We see it on a small scale in our marketing where someone like Facebook will change the rules or Google will change the rules or, or disallow you. But when there's a big government change, that could be quite a sweeping change and that's why it's a good idea to have a little bit of thought into how you want to structure things financially, where do you want to live, where's good health care, uh, what things are really important to you and what things aren't really that important to you. And then you can worry about how much these changes will affect you or not. Absolutely. It's a really good point, man. And, and I think that uh, when it comes to change, again, we'll just end on it uh, because we've, we've now been <laughs> we tend to do this. We'll just talk about a subject for a while. But uh, you know, it's going, to, it's going to come up and you get to choose how you react to it. And it's better to initiate change than to get to the point where change is forced upon you because you're, you have some serious condition like you owe the IRS, you know, more money than you have or you've got diabetes or whatever it is. You know, it's better that you uh, have a look at what's going on and initiate that change instead of being forced to change. 
in my opinion anyways. Cool, so one more little example. We're recording this one today, I'm mobile, got my uh, little Zoom podcasting uh, recorder rigged up to a pin mic, which is just pinned to my t-shirt, and I decided that it was better to record today than not record, and I was, o- I was okay with changing the way that I record it at a moment's notice, uh, rather than to go without. So, you know, just an example of rolling on with, with you know, what, what you dealt. You want to go out on the road, you're going to have to adapt. So what else have we got? Ezra, I'm relying on you to have a look at our show notes. Yeah, we've got, I mean, we've just, we're, we're just wrapping up. We should talk, we've got a couple listener comments here. I also want to talk a little bit about the Hawaii retreat that is coming up uh, September 13th through 15th. It's going to be an intimate gathering. It's, I've already, I've just uh, confirmed the house that we're going to be staying at. Uh, very nice house right on Sunset Beach, which is sort of uh, the classic beach where the triple crown of surfing is held, where many great surfers have been crowned the best surfer in the world. It's going to be exciting. Ted's wow. Bakery is right across the street. And we have got confirmed guests lined up, and I've got my plane tickets booked, and you've got your, you've got your accommodation and flights ready. It's going to be a, well, I guess you could say it's like a change summit in a way. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We're going to come in, going to come in uh, with with uh, our fresh mindsets. I'm looking forward to developing and working on the business aspects of our guests, and I know you can certainly take people through the, any sort of personal or some of this cool hippie stuff, which I don't know much about, but I'm really keen to to listen in and learn on. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's gonna and and. I think that I think that's what our focus is going to be on is how can how can you grow and experience uh, how can you get what you want out of your business and your life that's really what we're at, up to I think in think act get and that's what we're going to be up to in this retreat is really looking at how would you like things to be and what can we do to give you the best chances of having them be that way so we'd love it if you joined us yeah so our goal is to move we want to we want to make uh, a move from where you're at now to your ideal scenario and just pull away some blockages and help you develop something. And of course, we're going to form quite a bond over a couple of days that I'm sure will last well after the event. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And if you need anything, if you have any questions, if you want to know anything about the retreat, if you've got questions about accommodation or anything like that before or after, you can call me and uh, we'll put my number there on the products page Fantastic. Um, on Think Act. Get. So let's move on to our, let's wrap up with our listener comments and our quotes. We've got one, two, three, four new five-star reviews. And since you can't see them, I'm going to have to read them off. <laughs> Just in the interest uh, of safety, I'll let you read them. But I do want to say a sincere, heartfelt thank you to listeners for making these comments. And it is our ambition to read every single one of them. Absolutely. And we've got a backlog here of like 10 other comments that we'll get to on another episode. But um these are specifically from iTunes, and I wanted to include these. So the first one is from Great Baby Cakes, uh, GB Cakes, who uh, has left us a comment before on the blog, I believe, a couple times. And, she, and she's from um, America because I'm using CommentCast, uh, which is a tool that allows me to see, to pull in all of the comments from iTunes from every country around the world. So I get to see all of them instead of just the ones from America. So 
She says, hi guys, I really enjoyed the relationship episode. It made a huge impact on me in regards to my surroundings, keeping things decluttered, which in turn has allowed me to keep my mind open to new growth and creativity more than ever before. I also want to thank you for suggesting the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, as it was such an eye-opener and a game-changer for me. I just started reading The Go-Giver. A couple chapters in, I had to pass it on to a friend before I got any further because of how directly it related to their current situation. A couple more things. I have to say, stick-to-itiveness was really great. Ezra, I love that you bring crazy words like that to the show, but the, the, really the, uh, the credit for that should go to my wife. She came up with that one. Um, whether they're real or not, because it makes us all laugh and reminds us to let the silly side of ourselves come out. It's so easy to get caught up in the seriousness of life and forget that forget to have as much fun as possible, which comes to my next point. I don't know if anyone else does this, but when it's time for the weekly willpower wager, I always hear Ezra saying, wager, in a high-pitched voice like the first few episodes. It actually bun- bums me out a little bit now when that doesn't happen. Anyways, as always, great insights, advice, and conversation from the two of you. I look forward to the next episode as soon as I'm done listening to the current one. Sometimes, if I can't wait, I just listen to an old one. Thanks and all the best, Michelle. I think I'll let you respond. So why did you change? Why did you change to the weekly willpower wager? I got self-conscious about it. I, I got self-conscious about it and I started to, I started, yeah, I got, I got self-conscious, man. I, I just like, uh, I listen, I, you know, because I listened to all of our podcasts too. And every time I heard it, I thought, man, am I really saying it like that? Like, where did that even come from? And what am I doing? And Isn't that you interesting know, just, though? I, you know, like I, I want to refer that listener to the instant influence framework if you liked go giver and if you liked uh how to win friends and influence people then check out the book instant influence it's got to be the easiest way to move yourself to change it is the framework that they use in hospitals to help people who come in uh, with drugs and alcohol to motivate them to take medication where they may be resistant initially so it's a little framework of about six questions and i use it in my highest level mastermind I use it on myself and it's such a great little technique to get that change that you need so Ezra I've been I've been using it all day long I mean I've I've been using that yeah man I read that book a couple months back I love it so do you think you'll go back to the crazy wager probably uh, I'll probably mix in between depending on how I'm feeling that day (laughs) (laughs) all right I'm so glad it's you that does that bit so um Cole from the United States says, this is not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. James and Ezra have really made me take a deeper look at what I do and why I do it. This is exactly what I've been missing in my internet business. If you're having trouble staying focused on your business and don't know how to handle it, start listening to this podcast now. There's tons of great advice in each episode. I would have rated this podcast 10 stars if I could. It's really that good. I've listened to all the episodes and now I'm going back and listening them, listening to them again and starting to implement. Great job, guys. Keep up the good work. Cole from ADHDinternetmarketing.com. Nice. Well, there you go. I love that bit about didn't want to listen to it but needed to listen to it. Gosh, you know, I sometimes when we're actually talking, I think oh, I don't, don't want to be even saying what I'm saying now, but what the heck, I probably need to. I do feel better, actually, when I state some of my vulnerabilities and when I open up a little bit about some of the things that aren't always as easy as one might think it is from the outside because you know we still curate our lives to the public to some extent 
just for it through uh, through self-preservation I guess the fear oh, of yeah. change or that we might be outcast in some way but I think it's too late for us Ezra <laughs> yeah no, I think we're pretty well down the rabbit hole but one of the things you know we were both on um, we were both on Kenny Goodman's podcast uh, or his Find the Edge podcast that he's launching and um, he told me he got some great advice from you and he was really happy about it but one of the things that I was talking about as a content marketer as someone who creates and syndicates information one of the beautiful things is that we get to frame how we're perceived and I was I was telling him that like you know uh, you know, one of the things we talked about in the acknowledgement episode that what people want is to be noticed. And like, for example, if you tell me that I look really nice, like that you really like the way that I look or that my hair looks really nice, that's not going to really have enough, that much of an effect on me because that's not the image I'm trying to project. That compliment's not going to... Well, how, how's this then for an example? I want to acknowledge you for putting me onto those nice muesli bars because I've continued to purchase them since your visit and I'm really enjoying them and Bob doesn't mind them either. Do you been feeding those to Bob? Just a little bit off the edge. He likes his seeds. I was gonna, I was gonna say, man. You know, that's that's some that's like as high end bird feed as you could find. <laughs> By the way, for the listeners who don't, I mean, gosh, dude, that's really some. That's like caviar for Bob. Well, Bob likes fresh fruit now. He's moved. I give him the juicer extract. I give him the little offcuts of the fruit, the apple cores and stuff. He's right into it. Wow. Well, Bob is this crazy looking bird animal that lives on James there's like 10 of him now actually James has trained this wild bird to um, to essentially you've, you've domesticized this crazy wild bird and his name is Bob we thought about Hezekiah we thought about uh, McGallagher uh, we ended up with Bob <laughs> too, too difficult <laughs> uh, alright so next one is I so needed to hear this by Carol Amato from the United States she says this episode really spoke to me, especially the part where Ezra shared how he was held in high regard for having the stick to to learn that tedious info from the manual on the software system. I enjoy outsourcing, and it definitely has its place, but perhaps I'll approach future discussions a bit differently now. Thanks for the awesome, relevant content each week. I listen to every episode and look forward to more. Yeah, Carol's a massive uh, contributor to Think at Get. Thank you so much, Carol. It's very encouraging. And I would actually say that our listeners like Carol are our metronome that will be very quick to tell us if we get off beam or off track. We can rely on our regulars to, to tell us when we're out of shape or not. Yeah, yeah. And I think we got on to some, cre- some, you know, some, some fascinating stuff in this episode. And I'll be curious to hear how it... Um... <laughs> well, it surprised me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm all... I'm all worded up now on women's menstrual cycles and, uh, you know, look out world, I can manage change even to that next level. Well, you know, look, it's like something that's not talked about and not discussed and there is no education on it. It's like one of these things where, you know, you're expected to know how to handle situations in your life. Like, for example, and we'll talk about this in the sex episode that's coming up very shortly, but you're expected to know how to do these. Like, if you want to learn, if you want to be good at math, you have to take classes for it. But if you want to be good at, like, relationships, there's not really any, you know, you're not given this information freely. You have to go out in search of it. So I think that's what we, those are the kinds of things we talk about on Think, Act, Get. It's the stuff that you, that you don't find in school. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, thinking about the, even the stigmas associated, if we were to rename this episode menstrual or something, it would be shocking to the, and I'm already considering the fact that the people who edit our podcast and our team are very nice 
Catholic Filipinos. And, uh, you know, it's going to be confronting to a few of the team members, even some of the content in this episode. Yeah, it's definitely a confronting topic and one that um, is not uh, readily and, and openly discussed by, by most people. Um, and, and I like that we have this platform for talking about these things that are not, op- that are not generally open dis- openly discussed because I feel like we do our best to, to talk about stuff without um, having people feel like they are wrong for having whatever viewpoints they have. Because, look, if you disagree with us or if you don't, you know, if, if you don't uh, agree with uh, uh, anything that we're saying, we don't think that we are better than you. We don't think that we are more right than you or that the way that we think or, or our viewpoints are somehow inherently better than yours. This is just a conversation, um, just a conversation. That's true, and I responded to a comment we had yesterday. Someone was telling me about their take on religion and uh, how their viewpoint differed a little bit from ours, or specifically mine. And I said, that's okay, you know, like, I am not an expert in these things, and I'm happy to be open-minded to all sorts of ideas and discussions around it, and we still haven't even got to that chargey subject yet, but I'm getting more ready for it because... You know what? I'm getting more open to to just listening to other people's things, and I don't have a real position on it. I'm almost positionless, yeah. if that makes sense. And, and that's such a good way to be on that particular topic. That one freaks me out so much because, again, I also <laughs> don't. It does because I, you know there's a lot of things where I like know where I stand, and that's one of them where I'm kind of like you. Like I don't fully. I haven't really put enough attention there to really... I mean, I know where I stand. We'll do... Okay, we'll do it, man. Yeah, we should do it soon. Yeah, I think we just decided we have to do it. We've got enough We've got enough listeners. We won't lose them all in one episode. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So our last comment is from Christian Murphy from Belgium. And he says, Great podcast, James and Ezra. I really love the open and honest discussions. You're not afraid to discuss the charged topics. And these charged topics are the ones that we want most and need to share advice on. Keep it up. Well, if that isn't the perfect comment for what I didn't even know that was coming, how perfect is that? Well, that's a perfect one for today because I will hand on heart say I think today is the chargiest episode we've ever had. Yeah, it certainly is. Today is definitely... Uh, I'll give you that, no question. Um, but I think it's going to be, you know, we'll, we'll see. That we'll see. We'll see what comes in. Um, all right. So James, your quote is by Winston Churchill, and it goes like this. And you can talk about what you think about it. To improve is to change. Yep. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. Winston Churchill. Well, I think you can change too much. I think I'll replace my quote today. It's, it's pretty normal. I usually replace my quote. <laughs> Listeners will know this. I, I like the, the, the one about change that I love the most is that I don't even know who quoted it, but it's something to the effect of um, why don't, don't tippy-toe through life so that you can get to death safely. And it's such a, it's such a quote around taking some risks about stepping into the unknown. Like, have a go, as we'd say in Australia. Just try something a little bit different. Yeah, you guys are the have-a-go country. We are a have-a-go country. We'll have a go at anything. You really will. I love that about Australians. They just will have a go. They don't care. Have a go. They'll have a go at it. You know, you'll, heck, man, and you're, you, you, you display that in every episode. You don't know what we're going to talk about. You just have a go. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. I'm like I'm literally flying blind, and I love it because I'm okay with change, and uh, we can always edit it later. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. And there, I am going to edit some stuff out of here. All right. My, um, my quote for the day is by Maya Angelou. And she says, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. And I think that speaks for itself. She was really smart. Yeah, I love that one. That, I would have liked that quote just quietly. Well, you can have it. You can have that one if you want. Okay, thank you. All That's right, so you're generous. <laughs> hey, man, I, I'm the guy who gave away my tricycle. We've moved on from the country singers now. We're, we're doing well. Yeah, well, we were. We had Jennifer Aniston there. All right, so <laughs> this has been an episode Jennifer of Think, Act, Get. We have been talking about mindset, behavior, and results. What you think determines how you act, which determines what you get. Our focus is on improving your life and your business, and everything is directed at you, our listener. You are why we do these episodes. In this episode, we've been talking about change. It's a process from going where you are at, where you are now, to another state, and people are really freaked out about it. And generally, um, the change that we want that that we want change in the direction of a state that we deem to be preferable to our current situation. And it's not, we don't really fear the change having happened. We fear the process of change itself and all the steps that it takes to get from where you are now to another state. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to Carrie, who's my wife, who helped me with this episode. She helps me with a lot of episodes. Um, she keeps me straight and, uh, uh, <laughs> she has a, a big influence behind the scenes in tag, and uh, I just want to acknowledge her publicly for that. Um, and I want to acknowledge all of our listeners. Thank you so much for sticking through these chargy topics with us. They're not always um, – they're, 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 sometimes they're confronting to listen to this stuff, to, to think about your opinion on it and think about where you stand in the face of topics that are confronting to you. And we appreciate that you take the time to hang out with us each week and um, you know run through some of it. Sometimes it's really fun and goofy and exciting and sometimes it's a little heavier and and and, and more real and you know that's just the the uh, the nature of the beast as it were. So thank you so much. Yeah, and I just want to acknowledge you as well. As every week we roll up and you've got some show notes there, however they got there. I was curious about how you do that because they seem quite structured compared to some of the other things we do. And uh, <laughs> I want to acknowledge Telstra, our phone carrier in Australia, for having decent enough coverage to conduct an entire podcast from the road because... I do say nasty things about them occasionally when they dick us around trying to get connections or whatever. They do some crazy bad stuff, but I want to also acknowledge when they do a good job. They have great coverage. Yeah, I'm impressed, man, that you're on a phone on the road and we're recording a podcast. So good on you for that. Enjoy the snow. I will. I'll I'll see how we go. And uh, thank you so much for catching up, listener. And we'll see you on the next episode. Remember, we take phone Uh, call-ins if you want to get on the show then use that little leave a message feature on our website and we'll be sure to play your message back and respond in one of our upcoming listener comments and questions episodes all right dude awesome thanks man see ya this has been another episode of think act get with james shramko and ezra firestone For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.